1: You're listening to Rebeau & Co. here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, nah, here's Louis Rebeau. Uh, it's a Monday reaction edition of Rebeau & Co. live from my uh, old bedroom in my parents' house. <clears throat> How about that? It's Louis Rebeau hanging out with you, Zach Cantrell. Push the buttons, making sure we're on the air. Uh, Zach, am I on the air after 20 minutes of finagling? We you, doing well?
2: You are, in fact, on the air. How about that?
1: How about that? Eat it, everyone that didn't want me to have a show today. How about that? Um well <clears throat> the neighbor's house has caked on snow on the garage, so you can feel better about whatever weather's going on uh in Louisville, as I'm sure uh there are fans down there not so happy with uh their teams. We will talk to UK game. Uh the surprising outcome in the U of L game. Uh did we learn something? I'm interested to see uh where that could lead for U of L and if Man, it's it, Bozich writes about it. There's some interesting pieces from Bozich on uh, that game itself. And I, I want to get into that. We'll do that in the 10 o'clock hour as well. We'll have Zach's reacts. We had four derby preps over the weekend. We'll get into all those. And, of course, the elephant in the room, Zach, as Kenny Payne would say, is the Super Bowl. It's this week. <laughs> we'll make sure we do some NFL talk every single day. But we do have to open with UK basketball dropping a second straight home game. And this one, obviously, to a top 10 fellow sec opponent in tennessee and look the defensive woes are well are well documented uk without dj wagner it's well documented and the concerns from fans about how cal would handle this team going forward are also legitimate and all of them reared their head together at the same time on saturday and it was an interesting game to watch for that reason giving up 100 points to an SEC opponent for the first time in nearly 30 years. And then we have to ask the question, are they really just a bad defensive team? Is it scheme? What is it? And in 13 of their games so far this year, and a lot of this is about uh, is from an article by Cam Drummond, uh, Lexington Herald leader, our friends down there at Kentucky.com. And he talks about how in 13 of these games, Kentucky's opponents have had better-than-normal shooting nights from three-point range. And I, I know that I've talked about this, especially <clears throat> excuse me, away from, you know, away from the show with people, that I'm not sure that I've ever watched a team so athletic that also just doesn't close out on three-pointers. I mean it's stunning, frankly. Four of Kentucky's five losses, Wilmington, Texas A&M, South Carolina, and Florida— all had players with better than shooter nights from three point range or excuse me in that case in the teams. UKs now 0 and 4 against ICC teams that make 10 point 10 shots or more from three point range. Now this was a deadly issue against Florida because they don't follow at the end of the game. They can't close out on the three the three goes in, goes to OT, all the momentum on the Gator side they win the game and wrap. Come back to Saturday and you run into a team in Tennessee that is it's a fine team. Who's averaging eight and a half threes a game? And they give up twelve. And it's over and over again. We see, especially guards, this season, absolutely lighting up UK on the defensive end. Dwan Harris Jr. goes five for six from three in the Champions Classic against UK. They play St. Joe's. Cameron Brown shows up five for eight. Eric Reynolds in the same game goes six for twelve. That game went to overtime. St. Joe's went to overtime this year at Rupp Arena. The Cormac Ryan goes four for seven against Kentucky in a game that otherwise was pretty good. Otherwise, they were pretty good against uh, against North Carolina, excuse me. Especially, look, North, neutral court, Atlanta, etc. I thought they were pretty good that game. Wade Taylor, the fourth Texas A&M, goes six for thirteen on threes. That's a career high for him. Jabri Abdurrahim Rahim. For for Georgia. Jacoby Wright for South Carolina. Walter Clayton Jr. for Florida. You remember these names. And the reason is. Is because the announcers kept saying them over and over. After they drained three three. After three. After three. Against Kentucky this season. And what's interesting is. They're not making more of their shots overall. They're making more threes. And here is the grand lesson. Of what we've gotten from this Kentucky team so far this year. They could score. They did it again on Saturday. They could score. They got dudes even without DJ Wagner on the floor. They can go score. They can get points. And frankly, I'm sure Zach agrees with me. If you score over 90 points, you should win a game in college basketball. Yeah, that's right. That, that, no question. That's a no question. So Saturday happens. And Zach had asked me last Wednesday, hey, bologna or salami? Kentucky basketball. Are they going to be better or worse than 75 in the Ken Palm adjusted defense by the end of the season. They're not even in the top 100 after Saturday. And I skipped over my response there because I don't remember what I said. I think I thought they were going to be slightly worse because of the schedule.
2: Yeah, you were right. I would like a retraction.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Well, I I, I literally, I, I just remembered in this conversation that I said, I think they're going to be worse. I'm actually not trying to dunk on anybody here. I just... I thought the schedule would get tougher. That's right. I thought the, t- the schedule would get tougher. and Therefore those percentages would stay higher. You go into games and this is Chuck Martin. You go into games sometimes with a particular player or team. That's not shooting it. Well, and then on that particular night, they are shooting it. Well, so for young teams and young guys, it's hard to make that adjustment. I think as the year goes on and we play more games, our team is starting to realize that on any given night, if a kid hits one or two, Although he's not a great shooter overall, that particular night he is. So we've got to treat him that way. And that's how Cam closes the article. And that's an interesting quote from Coach. Because he said, oh, you know, the rest of these games. Pardon? (laughs) That game was on February 3rd. Not January 3rd, not December 3rd, certainly not November 3rd. That game was on February 3rd. We're talking about adjustments this late in the season defending three pointers and I do not have to tell a single person listening to this show that that is the way that basketball has trended is toward the three-point line and Kentucky sucks at the three-point line on defense they do they stink and this may be the thing that eventually is the reason that they're no longer in the NCAA tournament in fact if I had to wager on it if there were prop wagers on how a team gets bounced from the tournament I'll go Kentucky giving up too many threes and here's the dilemma. I just told you what the date is. It's it's it is February 5th for anyone scoring at home. Groundhog Day is coming. Gone, Zach. I didn't even see. Did Punxsutawney Phil see his shadow? I've been out of the loop. Well, I know we're getting an early spring, so there's good news. Okay, so early spring means uh, it was a cloudy day, so he stayed out of uh, stayed out of the ground there. Uh, in Pennsylvania
2: that's right know. and it feels like spring here because it's 50s and sunny like it's crazy how your mood changes as soon as one little ray of sunshine comes out because oh, we didn't see wrong. it in January
1: yeah you're not wrong <laughs> it even I, we were here yesterday uh, and it was probably like 42 degrees out but the sun was out and my nephew goes oh man it's so nice <laughs> oh, it's so warm those <laughs> are is. the it's days the that are the ultimate tease
2: oh, when it's that sunny and <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it should be 60 and it's 40
1: oh, it's totally true But here's the remarkable thing. Tennessee still only shot 40% from three, right? And so what's interesting is they hit 12 of them, so they score 36 points on 30 shots. That's good. In metrics world, that's a very good ratio, okay? But I do worry with this team that just the inability to close out is going to be a problem long-term. Here is what I would say to some of this. The first part is, It would be nice to see Kentucky with their full complement of players, but that is not an excuse in February in college basketball. Everybody has injuries. Everybody's dealing with something. Academic stuff, suspensions, whatever. People are dealing with things on their rosters no different than what Kentucky's dealing with. Now, if you wanted to say, look, man, it's DJ Wagner. It's their starting point guard. I would hear that argument. I would listen to that. And they're not as good without him. We're in a very strange spot there where the Case and Wallace conversation that we had last year that I continue to reference this year about him needing to be the guy not Xavier Wheeler has become a much more interest. it's a much more interesting conversation and it is much more complicated than I thought it was. Because I think if you watch this team, you think, oh, we need more Rob Dillingham. Oh, Reed Shepard needs to be that guy. Oh, Antonio Reeves needs to be that guy. And that's my question today, Zach. Maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not it. Maybe those aren't the guys. Maybe they are on the offensive end, sure. But who's going to captain up? Who's going to be the man on defense? What if that is DJ Wagner? What if it's him? What if he's the guy? What if he is the missing link? What if he is the the old straw stirring the Drake? What if he's that guy? And I wonder going forward, as they move these guys back into place, and Kentucky now looks like what? A four seed?
2: Maybe a five How does this at this all point? Work out for them?
1: Yeah, maybe a five, right? Because if they're 10 right now, they lose two games, one to an unranked team, they lose to Tennessee. They might be looking at a five. And I have to wonder, is it DJ Wagner that has to stir the drink? Is there something about Cal teams? where they are just so predicated on a great point guard that they need him to be the guy, and there really just isn't another option. And it wasn't something I thought about until Sunday. It really wasn't. That he was so important to them <laughs> that he would have a Case of Wallace-type effect on the team. Kentucky's now down to 26 in the net, and I get it. It's not the, the end-all, be-all of anything as far as how they're going to seed the tournament and those types of things as far as where the teams fit and all those things. But man, do you really want to be outside the top 30 in the net when it comes to selection Sunday and they're trying to give you a seed that isn't a seven? (laughs) I don't think you do. I think you want to be better than that. Now we've talked about it a lot. The good news is in the SEC, you got opportunities. You're gonna go to Auburn, they're eighth in the net. You're gonna go to Tennessee, they're sixth in the net. You're gonna play Alabama, they're fifth in the net. By the way, your boy was totally right about Alabama three weeks ago. <laughs> so one thing I've got right about college basketball this season.
2: They're what basketball school
1: now. Yeah. You know what? Move over, Kalen DeBoer. It's done. You understand me? Nate this Oates is, season, baby. This is Nate Oates' season. Nate Oates' town. You understand me? Get out <laughs> basketball school.
2: The shame of it is if you're in Kentucky is the fact that Dalton connected only 16 points on 5 of 14, but I mean Zakai Ziegler went off. He had what, 26 and 13, which is just insane. And then Jordan James had 26. Like it just seems like every Kentucky game somebody, there's always a guard that goes off. And in this case, it was the guy you, it's two guys you didn't expect.
1: The other guy, that's right. You know, in horse racing, we joke, Zach, that it's going to be the trainer's other entry that wins, not the one that everyone thinks is going to win. The other Baffert or the other Brad Cox or whatever. And that seems to be what happens to Kentucky over and over. Right? It's the other guy that that ends up beating them up. And that's why I read the list of those names. So I think only Wade Taylor is really like the dude on the team. Right? And it's a reminder to that I mean, once you get to this level, once you get into these conference games, Dalton Connect might be the dude. But yeah. they've got three other guys that can just absolutely fill it up, right? And and that's where we are with Kentucky and that's especially when you get to the tournament. You're going to run into teams with, you know, four guys that can score, five guys that can score, eight guys that can score. And then and then you're just dealing with it in a single elimination textures. Uh 4379680 I do have the text line today. Uh, Texter, Cal's way too tight and lacks composure. His players feel it and show it. Cal should back off the officials and keep his guys focused and under control. His screaming and, and ranting nullify the individual skills possessed by the players. It's an interesting take because I watched, in my life, I watched Tom Izzo have to scale that stuff back. Now, is he still a maniac? Of course. But he's like half the maniac he used to be, for sure. And watching him do that was, it was a clear attempt to connect with younger players. A clear attempt to not have them looking over their shoulder like the Texter's talking about in that case. I don't know, man. Um, Texter, is there any chance you could talk Dan into doing a guest segment on what's wrong with UK basketball? I'm going to tell you about that tomorrow. Don't you worry about Dan. tell you about that tomorrow. Uh, Texter and Bradshaw kissed that Tennessee player on the lips. I know you all saw that. (laughs) (laughs) yeah everybody saw that it's okay we all see it (laughs) we all see it we don't need to talk about it even though it's talk radio we're gonna gonna move on from it (laughs) do you want to fill the entire mixtape
2: in the next five minutes because then we could do that just by talking about that
1: we could what uh what was the reaction on the post game show as i am traveling um what were callers like i know i know what gandalfo said Mm -hmm. i know that yeah what, what did the callers say on Saturday?
2: Oh, they're done with Cal. They're absolutely furious because this team, three straight games, has given up 94 more points, and they, it's the first time I think they've ever done that at Rep Arena. And it just seems to be the same Calipari teams as far as their lack of intensity defensively. I don't know if it's the scheme, don't know what it is, but it's clear. That the other thing that was clear is DJ Wagner probably is the captain of this team, and you wouldn't yep. have thought that coming in. But the thing that right. got me was... What, where was Trey Mitchell? What's happened to him these last three or four games? He's been completely non-existent, and we've talked about him being one of the most valuable players on the team, and I couldn't tell you if he played Saturday night because he did as much as I did. And Onyenso did little. Bradshaw did little. Look, if you can't guard out on the perimeter, you better have somebody on the inside that can you know be a shot blocker or well, whatever, okay. and they don't have that.
1: So you bring up two things I did. I do have in my notes that I want to talk about at some point today, which is, is... You know, with, with Trey Mitchell, is he just tired? He Were played his a minutes little- just, so str- just so strenuous earlier in the season? He's just got tired legs right now.
2: Yeah, he played everybody 24, else minutes. Is getting, 24
1: minutes. Yeah, everybody else is getting games off, and everybody else is getting this. Trey Mitchell isn't. <laughs> that guy plays every damn game, right? And, and lots of minutes. I wonder if he's not tired. I wonder if we've gotten to a point in the season where 35, 40 minutes, et cetera, over and over and over again hasn't affected him. And the next thing was... Another thing you brought up is if you have an Ugani Yenso in the backcourt and he has four blocks against Tennessee, Mm -hmm. do you maybe need to sell out a little harder on three-pointers and trust that Inezo is going to stop anything close to the hoop? In other words, if you sell out on threes and guys settle for long-range twos, I think every coach in the country would take that. Oh, you live with that any day. Absolutely. Correct. And I wonder if Kentucky needs to go to that in some sort of defensive scheme where they force guys into long twos rather than this, whatever this thing is, defending threes. It's not working. It's not working. Mm -mm. And at some point, you got seven-footers. I think you have to use them. And I I just don't know what to do. Aaron Bradshaw, another complete no-show. I mean, at some point... You know, I've called him Scal Edwards. At least he at least he was active.
2: Edwards <laughs> had a little damage. stretch on Saturday. He had like seven points in yeah. a minute and a half or something like that. Well,
1: that's the thing about him that's so frustrating is you see those moments and you go, Argh! do it all the time, come on. And then, of <laughs> he course, he did nothing the rest of the game. Uh, yep, that's exactly right. I mean, Justin Edwards is the most Louisville basketball of anybody on that team where you see the stretches and you're like, okay. We got something. Oh, no, we don't have something here. Never mind. That's right. Withdrawn. He, he is very much the most of, of Louisville basketball on that team. Are you calling him the Zan uh,
2: Payne of Kentucky basketball? <laughs> Zan Edwards. <laughs> Zan the, Edwards,
1: uh... there it is. <laughs> Scal, Scal's overplayed. He was it's Zan Edwards. Yeah, he was Scal Edwards last week. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, lots of good things and then a lot of not good things. And, and, and mostly not good things. And and so, if you wanted to be down on Kentucky basketball right now, I get it. But I I will stick to, I just think there's enough talent on this team, enough dudes that if, if there's a run in this team, they're going to make it. Um, but the defense last couple of games, it's, it's not okay, and, and I, I think I saw a couple notes where, you know, before the season, a bunch of people had made the comment, oh, Cal needs an offensive coordinator. And then someone said, oh, they need a defensive coordinator. Well, that's Chad Coleman. Chad Coleman runs the defense. And I, I'm not sure, Zach, I don't, I know that it's sacrosanct with Cal to not play zone but at some point your young guys are just so out of position you got to try something different
2: yeah I just don't know about zone because if you're not good at man typically you're probably not going to be all that good at zone and especially this late in the season when you haven't really implemented it (laughs) I'm just wonder if this is what you have to live with this is you're you're just going to have to win games 95 to 92 and just hope that that's the end result I don't know
1: you're just UNLV in the early 90s, right? Well, that, that, it worked it. for him, didn't it? It did. No, that's right. And I, I think at some point, you know, because John Clay has got a really good piece up at the Herald-Leader about, you know, the worst nightmare being realized. And, and I, I thought the Herald-Leader did a really good job yesterday, the day before, of, of really laying out what the issues are with this team and you know clay essentially said the questions are how will the freshmen react how will the defense hold up and you know are these are these you know hey they're not great defenders plus they're freshmen things going to pop up the rest of the year because if they do then they're they're in a lot of trouble <clears throat> and they're not going to be long for the tournament but are those things salvageable in the next month next month and a half whatever it looks like i i simply I don't know if I were betting today. Oh, how negative do I want to be? I, I I think they can fix some of the sack. I do. But it is not trending the right way. And I may feel very differently next Monday, essentially, right? After a couple more games and just if they look like this over and over, then it might just not be uh, good enough here. Texter saying that supposedly Mitchell's dealing with a back issue. Uh, maybe. But, I mean, it, I just think they played he played so many minutes and went from not being you know that kind of guy at the SEC level to be, have to be that guy so I, I just I don't I don't know I don't know if he's just tired or if that's starting to wear off on him but but Bradshaw is non-existent recently Edwards is Edwards and without Wagner they're just a different team uh, anybody just anybody call in and just say hey when, when don't worry when Wagner comes back we'll be okay
2: yeah no not really No, the (laughs) the problem, I think most of the fans are smart enough to realize that Wagner, just him by himself doesn't fix all their defensive woes. so I I don't really think it's that. I'm more on your side as far as I think they can fix some things. I don't think they're ever going to be a great defensive team. I don't know if they're even going to be a good defensive team, but I think they can be not historically bad to the point where it keeps them out of the second weekend. I, I think that's still out there, but... If they don't make drastic strides this week, because look, they're on the road at Vanderbilt. That should be a no-headline game. And then Gonzaga, this is the weakest Gonzaga team in a decade and a half or whatever. This should be a week where Kentucky just goes 2-0, and we don't really talk much about it other than that. And if, they, and if it's not that, and they continue to have these defensive yeah. problems, then next Monday we're going to have to have a very different conversation.
1: I think uh, something you and I should probably agree to now is we're going to analyze these games like they matter because they do. They do matter. Rather yeah. than, oh, no, they were just supposed to go beat Vandy. No, no, no. We're going to actually dissect these things and make sure uh, we're keeping up on it because uh, we are far too far into the season with a very good basketball team to not be uh, trying to keep up with all those things. Keep the text coming, 437-9680 on our UPS jobs text line. We will have Zach's reacts at 1040. We'll get back through all those Kentucky Derby preps uh, that happened over the weekend all over the country. And, of course, next, though, we're going to talk L. They beat Florida State.
0: to replace your heating and air system we know people want options that's why you'll always get a free second opinion with bj heating and cooling plus for a limited time get zero percent financing for 60 months on a new bryant system
1: call the expert you can trust at bj heating and cooling you are listening to Rabot and co here on espn 680 1057 now here's louis rebeau all right welcome back in 10 o'clock hour here on a monday we'll get you Through the week, 10 to noon here, Monday through Friday, ESPN 680, 105.7. I am Louis Rabot. This is Rabot & Co. at Radio Louis on Twitter. You can find the station at ESPN 680 on Twitter as well if you want to go find us. And follow us there. Reminders of programming going on uh, at the station as well. Just a ton of great stuff leading into uh, the weekend, of course, the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll have Louisville uh, Louisville women's basketball tonight uh, against NC State. That'll start at 6.30 with the pregame coverage. On 93.9, they'll go tip at 7 o'clock. And, of course, Kansas, Kansas State tonight. How about that? In Manhattan, Kansas, 8.45, pregame, 9 o'clock tip there on ESPN 680, 105.7. Excited for that one. How about that? Uh, should be a lot of fun. We'll get into those national games uh, that happened over the weekend as well. Uh, Zach, I think we did pretty uh, – outside of Kentucky, ironically – I think we did pretty well with our predictions of those games, which is cool. So
2: Yeah, we did, um, actually. Uh, I tracked them, so, people, yeah, we are pretty good.
1: There you go. Hopefully make, people made a little scratch on the weekend uh, as well uh, with those games. How about that? So uh, those games going on. I want to remind you, too, about our friends uh, at DraftKings, man. Look. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook, they got you covered. New customers, you can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. And with DraftKings same-game parlays, everyone's got a shot at an even bigger win for Super Bowl 58. String together multiple bets for the big game for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Look, I mean, the lines are going to be available there at the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's a tight game. Uh, look, I, <laughs> tight enough that look, it might be a money line kind of game for you, but boy, it is—it uh, is just going to be a fantastic weekend of games, both on the basketball, but especially with the Super Bowl. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code WHBE. New customers, you can bet five bucks, get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Eight. With code WHBE, that crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Eighteen plus. Physically present. In Kentucky, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms as well, so make sure you get in on that ahead of Sunday. Should be a lot of fun, man. There you go. Great chance to get those bonus bets and have some fun uh, with the Super Bowl as well. So the cards get the win on Saturday against a fan of Claudia Sanders' Florida State Seminoles' uh, Leonard Hamilton. Um, And They did it on the offensive end, and they did it um, in a way that I think many of us didn't see this game going. You you play physical Florida State. You play a team that historically, uh, recently at least with Leonard Hamilton, has really been a problem for a matchup for Louisville as well. And I mentioned it earlier, and I'm sure Zach will crush me for it, but I thought the Bozich article on this was really good. (laughs) And he, he starts with this, was the team that Kenny Payne envisioned last fall when he said, his second University of Louisville, women, Louisville men's basketball squad, would pass the eye test with fans in ways that his first team failed. So we start with that, Zach. I am very confused by that sentence. I thought this was Kenny Payne's first team.
2: <laughs> yeah. what He's changing his story. Like last year, it, last week. What it was, second team?
1: Yeah, what's the what second, second te- team? are we talking no, about No, uh, last
2: year's team didn't happen. This is the first it year. It didn't happen.
1: Team. Zero, zero, it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't it count. It didn't happen. So what? what is it? How could this be year two? Yeah.
2: Did, did, was last year just a dream that we all uh, imagined? I, that's what I'm taking
1: out of it. And by the way, I think the article is actually really good. The Cards did something that good teams do. They got up by 15. It got down to like five with like a minute to go. They hit some free throws. They win the game. That's what good teams do. They win at home. They win by like nine. That's what they do. Okay. They did the thing that good teams do on the weekend. I read that first line of this article on purpose. And it's a reminder to everyone out there, don't let one win make you stupid. Don't let one win make you stupid. Don't one week say, oh, that was year zero, and then the next week say, well, in year one, don't do that. You don't have to do that. One win should not change how you analyze an entire season, Mm
2: -hmm. especially
1: when it's against a Florida State team. That is, look, mid-pack in the ACC, which is not even mid-pack amongst the major conferences this year. Don't
2: do that. Yeah, they weren't even a bubble team, and now they're completely off the bubble by losing this game. They're
1: done. It's over.
2: Look, Tyler Johnson, what he did, 27-6-11. There's only like three other guys in the ACC that have done that in the last 25 years or so. He was unbelievable in that game. Brandon Huntley Hatfield has been great all year. Like, the thing about this team that we've talked about... At nauseum is the talent's not the issue. They've got guys and they're going to win some games because they've got some guys. And if I'm a Louisville fan, I'm happy about what happened on Saturday night and it was great. And I think people should celebrate the fact that they hung a hundred on somebody. And that was the first time that they looked like Louisville basketball in a long time. But at the same time, I would be very frustrated that, you know, where has this team been all year? Like, why couldn't they do this against Arkansas state? Why couldn't they do this against, you know, DePaul? Like if, just a couple of games go differently. We're having a different conversation and maybe KP's getting a little more, uh, more leeway, but I mean, that's the frustrating aspect of this. It's been there all season. It just has never been fully unlocked. And Saturday was the first time it felt like that. It's really been unlocked against a, or Miami was a good opponent too, but they've kind of fallen off. But, but this is, it's only happened twice now where they've actually put the, some of their parts together and, that would annoy me if I'm a Louisville
1: fan. Oh, no question. Uh, Texture did text in and ask when the last time UofL won two games in a row was. Um, it, I, I, I really don't know, man. Um, Texture, last year was not a dream. I, that was the one line in this that I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. We don't have to do that right now. The reality is the reality with this team. And what Zach just talked about is absolutely true. There are guys that had games on Saturday where you go, why don't they do that every game? And at the end of the day, when you know the pieces are there and the guys are capable and they don't do it, it comes down to coaching. We had the Tomlin sound that we played last week. We talked about that. <clears throat> Where if he sees an analysis of a player, oh, they're not, their handwork you know, hand isn't good. He's like, well, that's coaching. Oh, their footwork is, is, is a work of progress. That's coaching. And he looks at those things and he sees those over and over. If Tyler Johnson can do this, sack, there's no reason for him not to do it again. No, and I want to see them. BHH could do this, mm-hmm. he should have been doing this the entire season. Now, recently he's been very good, and that's the point of college sports, is guys get better as the season goes on. So I'm not minimizing it. I actually feel good for BHH. I think that, that guy, that's a guy who is, if you made a stereotype about AAU, about people telling you how great you are, about everything else, about being the tallest kid early in your life, about always being told you're the best player on the team, and you're a five-star kid, and you're from Tennessee, so you go to Tennessee, and it doesn't work, and you get here, and your team goes 4-28. and 28. And then he puts on a show like he did on Saturday. It reminds everyone that he can do it. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good stuff, man. It is. It's good stuff. Yeah. But it also reminds you that the coaches have not had him at that level every game. That's right. And frankly, not at a majority of games, unfortunately.
2: And think about what's coming up for them. They've got Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Pitt, Notre Dame. These are all winnable games. These are opportunities for them to, you know, stockpile a couple wins. And we talked about this after the Miami game. Is this gonna be something that they can build off of or was it gonna be a one off? And it looked like it was gonna be a one off. And we saw them put it together again against Florida state. Let's see if they can string a couple of games together and it's not going to change the conversation as far as who the head coach next year is going to be, but it's some positive momentum that they can take into next season where, you know, if you finish the season relatively decent and outside of at Duke, there isn't a game that I see on that schedule that I would just say they have absolutely no chance at winning the The back half of the ACC schedule is manageable. So can we see them put this together for two, three, four games? Because that's the next step. And we can't just describe this as a one-off and you played great once. Like, no, you're Louisville. You're supposed to
1: do this repeatedly. That's right. Yep. The, the fascinating thing is is you're right about the schedule. And there are opportunities there. I just, you know, after, after they beat Miami, they went and played really well against NC State. Mm-hmm. And then, or excuse me, they kept it close against NC State. I shouldn't say they played well. They, they kept it close against NC State. They, they lost six in a row. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and so to me, you know, I, I get it. The schedule, that was the meat of the schedule, if you will. But do we look at this now? If they were not 4-28 last year and currently 7-15, would we look at the last two games, for example, Zach, going to Clemson, making it a rock fight in the second half, beating Florida State at home, getting a trip to Syracuse, a five and four in conference Syracuse team, and then getting Georgia Tech at home and then going to Boston. Would we say, okay, they're actually playing pretty well right now. Let's see what they can do in the next three, four games when, you know, including Notre Dame into that group. Would we be doing that? And should we be doing that, Zach?
2: I think we would be doing that if this team wasn't 7-15. and 15, But, I mean, it, when you do that...
1: But they are. Yeah. That's right. They are.
2: But that raises yeah. the skepticism, obviously. And as you mentioned, not only did they lose six in a row, half of them, they weren't really even competitive in those games. So, right. the Miami game just looked like, as we talked about, a one-off. So... Let's see if they can build the momentum. That's the next step. KP has yet to win back-to-back games in his co- coaching career here. So it's time for him to do that. It's time for Louisville to string together some wins and build something for next year. And, you know, whoever the next coach is, you've got Tyler Johnson, you've got Hunley Hatfield, you have some people there that are ready to pop out next year. So th- there's still momentum that can be gained by the end of the season, even though we know what the end result's going to be as far as the head coach Going to be replaced, and obviously not making any tournaments. There's still opportunities to build momentum.
1: <laughs> Taxer. I'm happy we won the game, but please, no more wins. I need the the Kenny Nerds to shut up. I I don't see many of the the Kenny Nerds anymore, but I have a very select following on social media I saw who a few I actually out. There look still at a on few. the Cardinal side. Oh yeah, I'm sure. No, no, I'm sure. I'm positive that's true. We told you months ago. That's because they're Kenny Payne people, not Louisville people. It's okay. It's okay to say. Um, yeah, you know the the confounding thing and the most difficult thing about the difference between pro and college Zach is if you're bad in college, they don't give you the top pick in the draft. You're just bad, (laughs) right? Yeah. And so you're right about the end of the season here for Louisville. It isn't as though, you know, this entire group is coming back. So the momentum of how they play together and what that looks like the rest of the season, maybe isn't the most important thing, but you also don't just want this thing to bottom out. I mean, what am I saying? Of course, it's
2: bottomed. It's already bottomed out like yeah, ten, times ten times over. Yeah, I think we're we're past that talk that conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. try to do positive radio.
2: We are doing positive radio. We just <laughs> we just talked about Louisville
1: being good for the last ten minutes. We're doing positive radio. How about that? I know. I know. I, I just. All right. So let's do it. Let's do the thought experiment because I think this is worth doing. Reminder. The guy in charge at Louisville is a man named Josh Hurd. He worked for a guy and mentioned him in his introductory press conference as a massive influence on how he does things in Tom Jurich, who brought back a Steve Crackthorpe that clearly was never going to get it turned around. What does it look like the rest of the year for Kenny Payne to keep the job?
2: I I don't think that exists.
1: It's over. If they win out, if they win out, he doesn't keep the job.
2: Well, if, yeah, if they went out, at that, then yeah, but I don't even entertain that as a possibility. You think they're going to win? But what at, I'm saying, what I'm
1: saying Zach, is if if what is the threshold? Is it legitimately like we're at a point where they have to just win all of their freaking games? Yeah, we're at that. That might point. be it, right? That's it. I think we're at that point.
2: That's even that to point. start the conversation that it doesn't even guarantee that it's going to happen. But if they went out, then maybe we even have a conversation. If, if, if they don't win out, then no.
1: Can you imagine in a normal year with, with Louisville basketball, a Jim Bay Heimless Syracuse, a bum Georgia Tech, a bum BC, a bum Pitt, a bum Notre Dame, then you go to Cameron, a bum Syracuse, a bum vatech and a bum BC, all three at home to close the season? I mean, we'd be talking about... Go win every game except for Duke and let's try to make that a 50 50. yeah in any normal season. you're winning in any normal season that's right
2: you got an opportunity to build momentum oh. going to the tournament you'll yes. win eight of your last nine if not nine I don't Oh, because in
1: the in the yeah. conference tournament oh we'd be talking about all of it sure and instead we're talking about what is the threshold for keeping the job yep. and I I don't know I I might be slightly lower than all of the rest of the games just because I really do think Hurd is a is a Jurich guy in you, that way, in this, in this manner, but. Bird wants to keep the fan base, doesn't he? Because I, if they,
2: even, if I was going to say,
1: I think economically, eventually it just falls apart. A ton yeah. of coming in 4, 3, 7, 9, um, uh, Why not go back to when John started at Kentucky? Uh, he would be number one in the nation for a lot of things. Just uh, asking, not arguing, love the show. Oh, I, I, if, if that's a question about, about Cal and his numbers and those things, in his coaching. Uh, Boy, let me come back to that in a second. I will keep that. Uh, Texture. I feel like this is the most predictable season for both teams for UK and U of L UK would have some success. The hype machine would start rolling and they would ignore all the warts on the team and then it would crash. And the fans would be pissed with an early exit. Likely in March, U of L would have a talent upgrade, make uh, making the lack of coaching even more obvious. U of L will make a coaching change uh, to hopefully turn it around. What UK does not have, uh, is the ability to stop that trend interesting text um you know i did get a bunch of texts at the beginning of the season warning me not to buy in on uk <laughs> those people are probably rubbing their hands together right now uh texter we have people to pop out next year uh mark that
2: there oh, you go i did say that you're right
1: um texter most of these guys won't be here next year that's positive enough. that's enough positive radio <laughs> <laughs> Louie, no, don't even speak it. It's like Candyman. Uh, Kenny's going to pop up and take another year. Yeah, no, I know, yeah, I, I
2: know. yeah. Don't don't put, um, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Me, Ricky
1: Bobby. <laughs> How dare you put that in the universe, son? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not I'm not trying to do that for sure. But yeah, no, I mean it, a, a stretch of games. And frankly, if we're if we're just doing this as a an analysis of a normal team, this is what I would say. Good job on Saturday. Now carry it forward and actually win the game at Syracuse. You've already won at Miami. You've shown you can go on the road and win. That ain't it. That ain't it. Go do it. Go do it again. Go beat Syracuse. Go play in that weird arena and go, you know, in front of 35,000 empty seats. Go do it. (laughs) That's what what you should go do the other day. But um, is there anything from this Bozich piece that I did not get to uh, that I wanted? I just thought the opening there, don't let one, don't let one game make you stupid. That's all I would say to close the segment. Um, On the other end, we'll have Zach's Reacts. I actually have no idea what it's about. I would assume it's about Kentucky basketball, but we'll see. Um, And uh, we will get into the Derby preps. We will start our Super Bowl chatter um, in this way. Interested with some of the -the off-the-field distractions now for Pat Mahomes, if Zach thinks any of that will be a distraction, come Sunday. We'll talk about all of it next here on Co. ESPN 680,
0: 105.7. Tired of jumping from job to job?
1: You are listening to Rebeau & Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rebeau. Ah, uh, somewhere Mike Gandolfo is listening and adoring this music. It's Rebeau & Co. here. ESPN 680-1057. Uh, live from a bedroom in Michigan. Uh, I am Louis Rebeau at Radio Louis on Twitter. You can find the station at ESPN 680 as well. Uh, Text or texted in. It's time to get rid of those lifetime contracts, right? Yeah, well, yeah. No, it's... Uh, Oh, Mitch Barnhart, he, he loves a certain way of doing things, but uh, let's not waste any more time. It's time for Zach's Reacts. It's time for Zach's Reacts on Rebo and Co.
2: So I don't know if you saw this or not, but... Uh, the commanders hired Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator, which I find to be an interesting move because Eric Bieniemy was hired as the offensive coordinator last year. And of course, we all remember what he did in Kansas City and all the credit that he took for Patrick Mahomes, Ty- Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and all those guys. The Chiefs being one of the best offenses in the league. And my question is what happened to Eric Bieniemy? I mean, this is a guy that yeah. everybody talked about being a head coach somewhere in the NFL for years and years. And why wasn't he getting hired and all that kind of stuff? Because everything resume-wise, he should have been listening as a head coach but apparently something went wrong in all of his interviews i guess he doesn't interview all that well and then he went to washington to kind of prove himself maybe as the offensive coordinator without being under the shadow of andy Reid. and you saw what happened when he went to washington where sam Howell had some good numbers but he got sacked a ton and the commanders ended up firing ron rivera and they weren't very good and so now washington brings in kingsbury and one of the reasons they're doing that is because kingsbury has a bit of a background with caleb williams you know of course he obviously coached kyler murray uh with the Cardinals, so he, the, there's a possibility the Commanders are looking to trade up to get that number one pick to get Caleb Williams. It makes a whole lot of sense, and it would make sense for them to bring in Cliff Kingsbury for that reason. But you talk about the shine falling off of somebody. Eric Bieniemy two years ago was the hottest head coaching candidate out there, and now he's out of a job. You talk about the fall from grace. I don't know what happened there, but I found that a little fascinating to see. You know, it impacts the NFL draft. It impacts Eric Bieniemy's coaching career. Look, and did he take too much credit for Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes? I think the answer is starting to show that that is yes. And Andy Reid is obviously the guy. So a lot of moving parts. And we're going to have a lot of moving parts as we get toward the NFL draft. And I'm assuming the Bears are going to trade that pick. So the commanders, we'll see if they go from number two to number one and end up just taking Caleb Williams. Because if he does, then this move makes a whole lot of sense. But I remember as well when Kingsbury, well, got, when Kingsbury fi- got fired and fired. he was talking about, you know, I'm just going to go to Thailand or whatever and never yeah. be, come back. Like, well, he was at USC last year and now he's with Washington. So, I mean, you get fired with that kind of money, I probably would have gone out of the country, too. But that, that, that just shows coaches want to coach. So. Uh, underrated story. I, you know, there wasn't really anything that jumped off the page. So I figured I'd go a little under the sure. radar for you. How about that?
1: All right. So hang on. So why, what was the official narrative around enemy leaving Kansas City? So
2: enemy left because he wanted to go prove himself outside of Andy Reid and I think there was a lot of skepticism that Andy Reid actually calls the plays B. enemy just happened to hold the title as offensive coordinator so he went to Washington to kind of be the guy and this year Washington's offense was blah I mean Sam Howe was fine I think he was second or third in the league in passing yards but they couldn't run the ball and they obviously are picking number two for a reason
1: what percentage of this do you think is B. enemy and what percentage is just how bad the commanders are right now
2: I would probably still say it's like 20% enemy and 80% Commanders being a mess. And they're still a mess, even with uh, Josh Harris, even without Snyder. There's still a lot of things about that organization that need to have a total uh, facelift.
1: What do you think is his – I mean, the, the NFL loves two things, copycatting and retreads. Uh, does enemy right. get another job? My guess is you'll say yes. Uh, What kind of job do you think he
2: has? Yeah, I'm sure he'll get a job. I think he'll get, like, I don't know, a quarterback coach or running back coach because he was a former running back, maybe an offensive quality control guy or something like that. I'm sure he's going to get hired again because he does still have that background in Kansas City, as we've talked about. I don't know how much of it was him, how much of it was Reed, but he's going to get credit for that, and I think somebody's going to hire him. I mean, there are far less accomplished coordinators that bounce around the league that get more jobs, so I think he'll get another one.
1: All right, so uh, end of the first hour segment. We usually get a shorter one here. We usually do um, different kinds of topics after Zach's reacts. The Pro Bowl yesterday. How much did you watch? Be honest. Not
2: a, not, a no, not a second.
1: Okay, now I put it on Twitter, and it was a, I was surprised at how much people voted this way. But I put up, what's better, the previous Pro Bowl game or dodgeball with a bunch of NFL players, and the dodgeball won two to one. What says Zach? What says Zach Cantrell?
2: I would still go with the old game because it actually resembles somewhat resembles professional football. Like I could just flip on ESPN, the Ocho and watch dodgeball if I wanted to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, Are we at a point where that version of the All-Star game needs to just go away?
2: Yeah, it's not coming back. I mean... Hopefully this doesn't turn into what football is in about 50 years or it's flag football. I I don't see that happening, but we're starting to see less contact and more things get called, so it's not coming back. And I don't blame the NFL. I don't blame the players for not wanting to play in a meaningless game and risk an actual injury because then that's just a total disaster for a game that means nothing.
1: Okay, yeah. I I am – Interested in that because obviously there's money in it, right? Otherwise they wouldn't do it. Sure. Right? Obviously they could sell ads. It's still the NFL. They could still, you know, get advertisers interested in it, and so there's still obviously some kind of market for it, obviously. Uh, and it's still the time of year where people want football on Sundays, right? Of
2: course. I didn't know <laughs> what to know do with myself yesterday because okay. there was
1: no football. Yeah. Well, a little, little basketball coal at the Coal Center. Why not? Right? Yeah, oh I watched that game. Yeah, that was a great game. That well, was a great game. That uh, was a great game. A great weekend of college basketball. We'll get into that in the eleven o'clock hour uh, with some other things. Uh, let's do more NFL here. Uh, you mentioned Kings- uh, Kingsbury. Joe Witt Jr. is taking the DC job mm-hmm. um, with the Commanders. Uh, look, at the end of the day, the NFL is about players. Obviously, the coaches matter in a very serious way, but at the end of the day, it's about players. How long until the Commanders are a player again? in the NFC East. What a brutal division to be in.
2: Yeah, because you're stuck with the Cowboys, you're stuck with the Eagles, and then the Giants popped up last year and kind of went back this year. I don't really know what to expect with the Commanders because there are some organizations that you just don't think are going to be good and then in a year or two they are. Like the Bengals weren't very good for a long time and then they draft Joe Burrow and look at them now. They're one of the most stable organizations in the league. So all it takes is to draft the right guy and we're having a completely different conversation. My guess is it's probably going to be another three or four years because there's just so much scar tissue left from the Dan Snyder era that they have to get to be able to overcome. So I, I would say it takes a couple of years still.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Dan Quinn is a better coach than he's getting credit for. Yes,
2: I think he, he took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. And I know what happened in that right. Super Bowl, but he still got there.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's a better coach than people want to admit. I, I think he's. I don't know if he'll get dudes there, but I don't hate this coaching staff. And frankly, if they get any kind of talent around there, I think they'll be at least a respectable team. You know, 7-10, 8-9 kind of team next year.
2: Well, people don't like the move because it's so anti what teams are doing now. They want to hire younger, offensive-minded guys, Uh, and he's an older defensive guy.
1: You're right. Where do you fall on it? Was it a good hire?
2: I think it's a good hire. I wouldn't say it's an A-plus hire, and it's still interesting that he got a job where Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel and guys that have been a little more accomplished haven't, but I'm fine with it.
1: Also, does a Cliff – bringing in a Kingsbury and his version of offense, does that offset the non-hire of a young head coach? I think so. I I do too. That's where, to me, if someone had that criticism – I would, I would say, well, he just hired Kingsbury and that guy, he's a, he's a Texas tech disciple, right? I mean, it's not like he's not, he wasn't at Nebraska in the eighties, right? <laughs> you know, so I just, um, Kingsbury, yeah, I great think he offsets a lot, frankly.
2: Yeah. He's a great coordinator that is always yeah. going to have the fact that he coached Patrick Mahomes and never got to a bowl game on his record. But then again, he's not being asked to be the head coach. If you're just talking about offensive minds and yeah, I think, I think he's a good one.
1: All right. Uh, speaking of Pat Mahomes, his dad gets arrested. Uh, oh was this two nights ago now or um or what have you but i believe it doesn't matter Uh, for dwi uh you know released from smith county jail on sunday afternoon it's a third degree felony carries up to 10 years in prison how about that yeah because it's his Um, third third. yeah so uh obviously an issue for him you know i got a text on the text line about this and and people who are um you know sympathetic to mr mahomes as far as you know needing to get help and those kinds of things and um I, I I am also sympathetic to that. Is this the kind of thing that can be a distraction to Pat Mahomes, or is this unfortunately kind of old hat with his dad having had a couple of these and it's just Super Bowl week, so there's already enough distraction he's probably not gonna
2: notice. Yeah, not to mention the fact that his brother got accused of groping a girl in a bar, so I mean the his family has had some prior stuff happen and it doesn't seem to affect him on the field, so I mean, I know this is his dad and everything, and he's talking about jail time and everything. But, no, I, I I, think once he gets on the field, he'll be fine. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think, if anything, the field might be the best place for him to be. So I don't think this is going to bother him. If he plays poorly, it's not going to be because of this. It's going to be because San Francisco's defense does something.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably right. And So, um, yeah, 54 years old, third DUI. Um, do people remember that he was he was a pretty good major league pitcher?
2: I think they know now. I don't think they
1: remembered yeah. before Patrick <laughs> showed up. Yeah, he got into 300 games, so uh, 63 starts, different teams, played in the playoffs in '99. So yeah, for the um, Mets. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I hate seeing those kinds of stories, and you know, I, part of me, part of me, and and I don't, I don't ever go this far, but part of me is like, hey, we don't need to, we don't need to post this, we don't need to print this, but the the other side of me is like, we absolutely need to pre- print this, right? Because you know, this is. It's absolutely news. It's absolutely a distraction for Pat Mahomes and for um his prep during uh Super Bowl week. All right. Uh, you don't want a uh, has but anything... you have to prepare you. No, that's right. That's exactly right. Um all right, so uh Super Bowl feelings today. Zach Cantrell, has anything changed or we still just uh, riding the, the Mahomes train until it uh, runs out of coal?
2: Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm considering it because Ooh. San Francisco might have the best all-around team. They've got a Christian McCaffrey, yep. and I do think the 49ers won't make the mistake that the Ravens did as far as I think the 49ers will just line up and run Christian McCaffrey 30 times if they have to because we saw James Cook and the Bills rush for, what, 182 yards against him in the divisional game, so I think Kyle Shanahan's keeping that in the back of his mind. I think when you look at that defense, especially the defensive line. Kansas City's offensive line has been good in the postseason. They weren't particularly great in the regular season, so maybe they can get after him a little bit. And remember, when they played in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, they intercepted Mahomes twice. Now, Mahomes did throw three touchdowns and ultimately led him back to win the game, but you could make the argument the 49ers have the best all around roster in the NFL, and that was the thing that people had talked about all season. So I'm, I, I'm probably still leaning toward betting Mahomes, but the 49ers roster makes me a little bit nervous if I'm betting on Mahomes to win that game I I could easily see San Francisco just having the better all-around team because we've seen this before where you know the other team has the better quarterback but the better roster wins and that's certainly out there and if Brock Purdy plays well doesn't even have to be great as long as he doesn't turn the ball over then I think the 49ers might just have the better all-around team but that's certainly out there, as we talked about Purdy. Uh, he didn't play great against the Ravens, of course, through four interceptions that game. And, look, you could talk; we could talk all we want about how much better the 49er roster is. We could talk about McCaffrey. We could talk about the defense. And it may not matter because Mahomes just goes out and throws four touchdowns and renders everything oh, okay. useless.
1: Yeah, I, you know, the other part I was thinking about with this game is, in my mind, trying to figure out, is there a chance San Francisco has played two playoff games won both and only played one good half of football. Oh no. And I think that's certainly true. Still won their games. And maybe they actually put a complete game together in the Super Bowl and actually win one. Right. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. It, that's the only thing in my mind. That's a hold up right now is they just beat the Packers and the lions playing C minus football. What if they actually play like B plus a minus football against the chiefs? Can they win the game that way? I think they can. Um, especially like you, their like defense. You just, uh, like, yeah. Like you just talked about, uh, especially on defense. And so I'm trying to balance that in my mind because I don't want to overplay that either, if that makes sense. You know, just, you know, Mahomes is still Mahomes, whether mm-hmm. <laughs> whether Kansas City's playing well or not. Uh, Mahomes is still Mahomes. But I, uh, yeah, just a, <clears throat> I, I can't get over that part. I can't get over the overall class of Mahomes and where he is compared to everyone else in the league. And, and I think even on Monday of Super Bowl week, we'll see where I'm at on Friday, but I'm, I'm leaning toward, you know, Depending on Mahomes and, and that group, rather than watching San Francisco actually put it together for an entire game when they haven't. Yeah, for a couple of weeks. Right? Yeah, that for, defense like,
2: giving up 52 points in two playoff games. They haven't necessarily been all that great, and you have to strike the balance between okay, we're just kind of waiting for them to play a complete game versus maybe this is who they actually are. Maybe their defense really isn't all that great in the postseason, and for whatever reason, that just hasn't. They haven't been able to put it together. But I mean, there is a recent example of a quarterback just going off and the overall better roster winning, and that was the Eagles against the Patriots when Brady threw for 500 yards and the Eagles won because the roster. Was better.
1: There you go. Uh, a reminder as we close up our uh, number one, we'll get into our number two, excuse me, our uh, zero. We'll get into our one next uh, here on Rabo and Co. ESP at 680, want to remind you about our friends at DraftKings. And if you are looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbook, they got you covered. New customers, you can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. And with DraftKings uh, same game parlays, everyone's got a shot at an even bigger win. For Super Bowl 58 string together multiple bets from the big game for a shot at making your payday even sweeter all those lines for Super Bowl 58 are out make sure you go check them out money lines all those parlays uh, the coin flip all those things that you want to bet on they've got them all there at DraftKings Sportsbook so download the app now use the code WHPE new customers can you bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code WHBE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus. physically present in Kentucky. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Eligibility to prospect restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. 11 o'clock hour, we do it next year with Bo & Co. ESPN 680, 105.7.